either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back into the screening room. We've got some crazy movies to talk about today. Crazy <laughs> in a good way and crazy in a not so good way. Welcome. She is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. Why don't we start with crazy in a good way as an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with the lives she could have led. This is called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The universe he speaks of senseless things. is so much bigger you than you realize. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. No way. I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. And that's a great title because that's sort of how the movie feels, like what it throws at you. Yeah. Everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once, from all angles. And it is just such a wild wild ride but man it is so much fun it really is it's so imaginative you know it's absurdist comedy but at the same time it has usually absurdist comedy is very cynical and this one is i think very sweet natured yeah and uh it was done by the co-directors they call themselves daniels it's dan kwan and daniel Scheinert. and a few years ago uh their first uh, or their, their last team up was swiss army man with um that was uh, daniel radcliffe and paul dano and that one to me it was absurdist as well yes and it just it just missed the mark for me because it, it had a a setup not really similar to this but a, an absurd an absurdity to it but where it led was not as fulfilling as here i thought this it, it makes sense now that that was their their on the runway to this and and since then they've done some work separately uh, but now they're back together for another tandem work. And this one really feels like, all right, this is the type of vision you were going for the last time. And now you found it because it's it's such a even as it goes off in these crazy, crazy directions. In the end, it's very the, the message is not crazy at all. It's somewhat simple and, and and universal. So just hang with it through this incredible adventure. And you've got a very sweet, some very sweet sentiments at the end. Yeah, I mean, it's it, at its heart, it's a family drama. The great Michelle Yeoh plays Evelyn, and she's living her worst life. And all at the same time, the government is about to take her laundromat. Her husband is about to serve her with divorce papers. And her daughter is about to come out of the closet to the curmudgeonly very stern grandfather of the tribe. And she's just freaking out. Um, and right right at that same moment, you know, the multiverse comes calling. And as you said earlier today, usually when you think of the multiverse, you're thinking of Doctor Strange or some other, you know, big superhero adventures. And it's true. What's happened is that someone from another dimension has come th- looking for the right Evelyn. There are a million different Evelyns and they want there's one who can defeat this master villain and they think it's this Evelyn specifically Mm -hmm. because she's never amounted to anything. She's tried and failed a million things. And so she is maybe the right Evelyn for all of this. It's a, it's a fascinating idea and it really does touch on the kind of 
midlife crisis that Evelyn is having. And it's so nice. It's so amazing to see like an authentic, genuine story that is focused on a middle-aged woman, a person of color. Uh, There's a, you know, there's an LGBTQ storyline. All of it is central and authentic to the tale that's being told and is completely universal and is told in a way that is just lunacy from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and apparently the the two Dans wrote this with Michelle Yeoh in mind, which is awesome because she is great in it. And so good. Yeah, you know, a lot of movies have taken that that theme. Well, these are the lives you could have led, the little moments that take your life down a different path, but never in this way. Never, because again, it throws them all at you all at once, and just it just goes back and forth between these different universes, and then somebody who she just interacted with doesn't remember and then maybe she doesn't remember what just happened and who is real and who is not and it just goes back and forth in all these different directions and it's wild and, and we you, have forgotten to mention Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie Lee Curtis is the auditor from the IRS almost unrecognizable and she reminded me of her husband Christopher Guest where <laughs> it seems like every role he does he tries to make himself the most unattractive <laughs> that he can and I think she was doing that here. <laughs> She's hysterical, though. She's, She's so good. She's great because she becomes a villain, almost a super villain. And yeah. some of these, uh, you know, in the background, you'll see her lunging with a <laughs> fist, you know, which is hilarious. And then you've got a K.Y. Kwan from, who a lot of people remember, I know you do, from uh, The Goonies. Well, and, and, yeah, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, yeah, short, round. short round. I had such a crush on him when I was there. And after the Goonies, people might think, well, where's he been? Well, he's back now as her husband, as yeah. Michelle Yeoh's husband. And he's involved in this, too, because he, the husband, is the one to initially try to tell her about these universes. From another universe, From another yeah. universe, yeah. yeah. And then uh, James, the great James Hall. Oh, as, so great. As Grandpa. Yeah. And he's a guy, how many movies has he made? I'm Hundreds. He's yeah. got to be hundreds. He's great, and then as the um, as the daughter Joy, Stephanie Hugh is is great as well. The whole she is, and all of them the, it, it, all of them have about eight different characters that yeah. they play because there's so many universes. So you really get to see how strong they all are because they're multiple characters. It's a fantastic ride. I mean, you do not have time to be bored. You just don't. No, you don't. Uh, but again, it leads to a very universal, sweet, and and not complicated. Uh, sentiment, right? So it's not going to tax your just just keep up, yeah. You know, enjoy the ride, and it's going to lead you in a very sweet place. And again, I think somewhere that that they were trying to go with Swiss Army Man for me. I know a lot of people love that movie, and that's fine. Um, for me, that it, it became a little too cutesy, a little too satisfied with itself, and and that it was more profound than it really was. But this one really, I think, hits the mark that they. That they they and shows what they're capable of as as a tandem, and it's just so funny. It's, it's so, so funny, so fun and funny, and just you know, for people that say, "Oh, nothing," there's nothing but sequels and nothing original anymore. Oh. Go see this. Go see it. And I know, and I've already heard from people who we know in different parts of the country who are very bummed that it's not in their city, which yes, sucks. It does suck. It's this is the week it's getting a, a bigger release, a wider rollout. So I'm really bummed to hear if it's not in your city. But boy, if you can seek it out, this is one. It's so original and fresh and fun. And uh, I'd be really shocked if you didn't love it. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. We give it a big recommendation. All right. Crazy in a not as good way. Two robbers steal an ambulance after their heist goes awry. It's ambulance. Hey, don't you move. You think you're so tough with that gun? No, daddy, relax. I gotta get back to my wife and my son. 
Does your wife know you're Rob Banks? We're not the bad guys. We're just the guys trying to get home. We don't get to walk off into the sunset! Danny, everybody knows how dangerous you are. Do you? You get your helos out of here now! I'm gonna get you back home, little brother. I'm gonna get everybody home. This is the latest from director Michael Bay. And for a lot of people, he just the mention of his name brings a lot of baggage. Uh, you think <laughs> you think bombast, and this movie is certainly bombastic. And it's based on a Danish thriller from 2005. And that one, much the same plot, but it was real time in about 80, 85 minutes, and you're out. Just You're in, you're out. It's just this a one, thrill a minute. Not so much. No. Uh, it's certainly not. You're in, you're there, you're still there. <laughs> it's still going on. You're still there. Yeah, this is a two hours and 15 minutes. So right there, it's not a lean, mean ride, which is too bad because there are parts of this. As I said this morning, this movie is so crazy. I almost liked it. Yep. I mean, it, it almost became a quote-unquote guilty pleasure because it adds, it throws little crazy little asides into this very basic story of these two robbers. They're, they're brothers, adoptive brothers, and it's Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Uh, who's been busy lately yeah. uh, after since Candyman. He's been busy. So they're involved in this big bank heist, and of course it goes awry, and they end up, to get away, they end up stealing this ambulance that happens to have a paramedic, played by Isa Gonzalez, and an injured cop in the back. So they've got that extra baggage to deal with as they're trying to get away with all these millions of dollars. And that, after the sort of a set up in act one that, as you said, sort of drags a little bit. I mean, oh. we need to get to this, right? Yeah. We need to get to this because that's the rest of the film, just a chase of them trying to get away in this ambulance. But the things that some of the, even the, some of the side char- characters say and do, and then these two main characters, all of a sudden they, they break it as they're just traveling in a hail, hail of gunfire, trying to get away from this bank heist. They think they're going to sing, some yacht rock classics. <laughs> Christopher Cross comes on the radio and just just nutty, nutty things like that. And Jake Gyllenhaal is all into the nuttiness of yeah, his character. Yeah, he really is. He really is. He gets off some very funny lines, very random. Like, what did he just say? Lines. He's right. Like very I high energy. Yeah, very high. And I, you know, I have to deal with that. Very high energy. Interesting. He has. He's funny. And they have a good. You know, you have to have like the the balance of energies, right? He's very high energy, and then his brother is the good guy. He's a good dude. He shouldn't be here. And I think that uh, that Martina Second uh, carries that. Sometimes that's the that's the more boring of the characters, especially when when one of the characters has so many fun lines, like Gyllenhaal's character. But I think they both they do a very solid job. And as you said earlier, I mean, had they cut. Oh. A half hour out of this movie, it would have just At been least. A, it would have just been a manic fun ride. Manic is right, and instead it's just bloat. I'll tell you, this is one of those movies that I thought should almost come with a warning for people that have motion sickness or or are triggered by this stuff because between the camera operating and the editing. You're you're gonna get whiplash. It's just boom, 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 boom. Well, boom. as you said on the way out, that the uh, did you see? Did you read on the screen? The director of photography was a monkey from the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the camera goes up a building and down a building oh and around God. for no reason. Like there's no right. narrative purpose to so many of these shots. That's why I said it because it, remi- yeah. it reminded me of the old David Letterman monkey cam. <laughs> Remember that? They just put a camera on a monkey and let him go. 
<laughs> it's just, yeah, manic is the word for it. It's everywhere. And then the editing is just so insane that it just, it, it might trigger some people with, with motion sickness. But you're, you're so right. If they would have trimmed at least a half hour, at least maybe a half even hour. 40 yeah, minutes, yeah. it could have been just a slam bang wild ride somewhat on the order of the original film. But it's just so, like so many of Michael Bay's films, it's just so bloated. It's just so bloated to the to the point of excess for just the sake of excess. Well, that I, I mean, that's the definition of a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, bombastic and bloated, and they certainly <laughs> they they certainly crash a lot of cars. They do, and they certainly stretch the bounds of logic to almost the breaking point, if not the breaking oh, point. Oh yeah, I but think that, it's long broken. But that's okay. That's that's why exactly. if you're gonna make a movie like this, don't don't stretch it out so far. An hour and a half. Tops. Yeah. So we can just turn our brains off. And if you want to see this type of, of craziness and chases and, and uh, car crashes and things like that, just but not not to the point of excess like this. And I think that's what unfortunately sinks it. Well, yeah, there I mean, there were a number of times where I did look at my watch and calculate ahead. I, w- I looked at my watch at one point and I leaned over and said, we still have an hour to go because it becomes so repetitive. Oh, yeah, it does. Even se- sequences that work for one reason or another. It just becomes repetitive. Okay, we've seen that over and over and over again, and it just takes more turns that, yeah, stretch credibility, and it just collapses on itself. But it does have those moments. It does. Those crazy moments that you're almost there for something, and that is uh, Ambulance out in theaters now. Another lesson in excess for the family movie this week. The manic Dr. Robotnik returns to Earth with a new ally, Knuckles the Echidna, Sonic and his new friend Tails is all that stands in their way. It's Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Oh, Lord, there are two of them now. What's happening? Uh, Okay, quick version. Robotnik is back. I've discovered the source of ultimate power. We need to get it back or the world is doomed. You brought some kind of... Space porcupine. I am an echidna warrior. This is your moment to be the big hero. You're unskilled. Untrained. Unworthy. You forgot one. Unstoppable. And yes, there was a Sonic the Hedgehog one, and a lot of people liked it, did well. That's why there's a part two, obviously. And again, a good thing about that, because I didn't care for it, but it was it was in and out. It, got it was 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Got done quickly. And for people, for not only kids, but for their parents who have great nostalgia for playing the game. I totally understand that. Totally get it. Uh, I don't have nostalgia for that. I was never a big gamer. And certainly anything really after Frogger, I was done. <laughs> so, never played the game. But uh, But still, you can have a fun adventure, even for kids. Uh, without that, the thing about the first one and with this one, it's just so broadly drawn. The characters, the humor, of course, Jim Carrey, he, he mugs with his uh, character so over the top, which probably is appropriate for this. Mm-hmm. But everything else is so broad and so forced that really his theatrics don't seem that much out of place no. especially for this one because much like ambulance we were just talking about that uh that we were just talking about this just goes on and on it and really on does. and it just tests your patience i think even for kids but i don't know i we'll agree see. i mean it's it's a full two hours and i, I do think that that uh, you know kids are going to be bored 
You know, not the whole time, but often enough. And it's a full two hours. And of course, for this, you have to sit through the credits because there's an extra scene. Yep. But man, and again, it's just adding, it's just repeating things, dance sequences, uh, needle drops to soundtrack songs that don't need to be done that often. And little extra side turns in the plot that really aren't necessary. No. Um, There is the most, I think the most fun thing about this and the aspect of it that doesn't seem like it's aimed strictly at kids is the uh, Idris Elba character, Knuckles, the echidna who's come down to to fight. He's got an old score to settle with Sonic and the Hedgehogs. And, you know, the the flat, authoritative, humorless delivery of Alba yeah. is perfect. It is. just It's just deadpan perfection, the way he addresses. And the, and the sort of, uh, especially in all of his scenes with Jim Carrey, I think that, you know, the way that they misunderstand each other and just their, their complete opposite tonal delivery really is yeah. funny. Yeah, I think that sets up for some, for some smiles. The rest of it is just, again, just the broadest type of, of humor that you can have. And most of the whole gang is back. Director Jeff Fowler is back. The writers are back. Um, and the cast, James Marsden, is the quote-unquote human dad. And the human mom is uh, Tika Sumter. And you've got some of the other voices that have come in from the uh, the previous film as well. It is more, literally, more of the same. A lot more of the same. Yeah. So if you like the first one, then... and your kids- I think you're going to be bored. Yeah, it just gets repetitive to the point of trying your patience. At least it did for us. Mm-hmm. I had, I've heard a lot of people, when they had learned that this one was coming out, thought, oh, the first one was so fun and cute. All right. But again, it might might test your patience on this one. We shall see. Because you do. There's, a, there's an extra scene that mm-hmm. gives you a clue about what they might have in store for number three. And that one comes, not at the end, midway through the credits, right? About midway through the credits. But that is in... About four hours after you start watching the movie. <laughs> maybe five. Yeah, oh, and of course, I didn't mention the main voice of Sonic, Ben Schwartz. He's, mm. he's back as well. And he does fine. The voice cast is fine. Sure. It really is. Uh, and I think you can't really judge the human cast because they're not given really characters to work with. I mean, there's some fine actors in this cast, but they're just not... They're, they're, just, it, they're almost like human cartoons yeah. is what they are. So uh, that's Sonic the Hedgehog 2 out in theaters now. A good old CIA thriller is next. Two operatives and former lovers reunite at idyllic Carmel-by-the-Sea to re-examine a mission six years ago in Vienna where a fellow agent might have been compromised. This is called All the Old Knives. They've opened the books on Flight 127. The hijackers had help from inside our station here in Vienna. Vic has me looking into Flight 127. So this is an interview. I thought you were here to see if we still had that old spark. If we started shouting mole, that would have been it for all of us. We look at the evidence, we follow the facts. Are you accusing me? We want to keep this quiet. If it's Celia Harrison, I need to know the man I send can do what's necessary. Celia! Who are you? What we had was real, wasn't it? This is another Chris Pine movie. I love when we get to see a couple of Chris Pine movies back to back. Yeah, back to back. And he gives enough. Well, we said it last week. He's just, I still think he's underrated. I agree. He is solid in everything. And he gives another very good performance here in a really good uh, ensemble. In a movie that surprised me how, I don't know why I didn't expect much of it. That's on me. But it's really enjoyable and well-constructed. This is based on a book. And actually, the author of the book adapts the screenplay as well, Olin Steinhauer. And it's directed by Giannis Metz, who's done... He did that very first season of True Detective. Mm, did a, a The one well, everyone loves. Yeah. 
did a well-regarded movie called uh, Armadillo and some other things. But he's he really crafts this well because it's a very talky story, and those can get you know bogged down. Yeah. We've said it before. Uh, uh, this is a visual medium, so you want to do more show and less talk. But it's a story of going back. Chris Pine is tasked by his boss, Lawrence Fishburne, to go back and reopen this case from years ago where their office, their CIA office in Vienna, was trying to thwart a terrorist hijacking, and things went very, very, very badly. And so years later, new information has come to light where the CIA thinks that there was a mole that caused it to go badly. So it's up to Chris Pine to root out the mole by going back and interviewing some of the players back then, including his former lover, Celia, played by Thandaway Newton. And then another guy who was in the office at the time, played by Jonathan Price, who's always, always good great. to see. So, yeah. yeah, you can tell right there, this is a solid cast, mm-hmm. a, a solid ensemble. And it's put together very well. It has the feel of a, an old classic espionage thriller from the 70s. You know, they seemed that they were out all the time back then. He does it, Metz, the director, does a great job of differentiating the camera between the, the modern-day settings, the interviews, and the reenactments when they're going back and remembering what happened. Then the camera gets very free-flowing and and frantic in some instances, whereas when it's present day and they're just talking, it's very static. Very So it helps to really suck you in, bring you into these reenactments where then you're not just telling what happened, then you're showing it as well, which mm-hmm, of course mm-hmm. you have to do. It has some nice twists and turns. Maybe it bogs down a little bit in the third act. Maybe it tips its hand just one or two bits early until you find out what happened. But I was I was totally intrigued by it. And I thought it was a really well-done case of one of these uh, CIA thrillers. Uh, and it's out in theaters. I think it's... It's it's, it's a, also on Prime. Yeah, it's an Amazon Prime film, so you can easily get it that way. But if you love going to the theaters as we do, I think this one will will fit the bill if you like these type of dramas, these thrillers. All the Old Knives. It's a good I one. I love that title. Yeah, they didn't go with my title, which was Whack-A-Mole. <laughs> but All the Old Knives is better out there now. Boy, a very interesting movie next. A documentary that serves as a close-up portrait of the daily lives of two cows. It's called Cow. Andrea Arnold directed this movie. She did American Honey. She did Fish Tank. And the the thing about this movie is it's such an Andrea Arnold movie. And Luma... (laughs) The main cow is such an Andrea Arnold protagonist, which is a weird thing to say, but it's it's such a it's such a great film about what cows do for us, actually, about the sacrifices that a cow makes just for us, you know? Yeah, but beyond that, even deeper than that, it, it, it uses that to make you think about other things, other aspects of our lives that we just don't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And just all you have to do is look at the trailer. And you can just tell. We talk about visual storytelling all the time. And, boy, you can just tell from the trailer what a great case of visual storytelling because you make this cow a compelling main character. Yeah, you really do. So Matt Wiener did the review for us for this film. He gave it four and a half stars, by the way. You can read his lovely review at MadWolf.com. And in on Twitter, he admitted he did cry. <laughs> But that just that just shows you what powerful storytelling Sto- yep. stories can be told in so many different ways, and this is a great case where you have a great director and and a great story. Yeah, it might not feel like it. Someone says, "Hey, it's a movie about a cow." Oh, well, no. Oh, it's just exceptional. Yeah, 
give it a chance because it becomes a great story. And and, and by all means, uh, check out Matt Wiener's full review at MadWolf.com. But yeah, it's, it's about a cow, but it's not just about a cow. Right. Yeah, so trust us on that. And it is out in theaters now. Cow. Next is a Korean crime thriller. A serial killer ruthlessly hunts down a deaf woman through the streets of South Korea after she witnesses his brutal crime. It's called Midnight. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us, and she liked it very much. Uh, it, it, It comes apart a little bit toward the end, kind of strange credibility toward the end. But on the whole, it is a very taut thriller. And because we see the point of view of the serial killer first, yeah. then when we meet the protagonist, we know what they are in store for. And it really is an excellent way to just generate a lot of tension. Yeah, even though when you set it up that way, it has the possibility of turning into a gimmick. But when, it, when it's done right, as it, as it is here... It totally gives you a new way to look at things. And this is writer-director Oh Sung Kwan. Hope I pronounced that correctly. But this one is uh, on Prime as well, so I don't believe it's in theaters. No, but I don't think so. you can easily find it on Prime. But yeah, good, a good crime thriller out of Korea. And you can check out Rachel's full review at madwolf.com. And this one is called Midnight. A good one. Next is a drama about a 16-year-old girl named Abby whose life changes when a traveling rock band gets stuck in her small town. It's called Coast. Unlucky. Abby's not really into boys. Yeah, right. Hey. Hey. You know he's leaving, Abby. Come on tour with us. Problem child, but I ain't got no problems I can see. You weep, you moan, you don't change any. I'll deal how I want to deal. Why don't you live how you want to live? Abby, you know you're amazing. Yeah, I know. Christy Robb wrote the review for this one, and, you know, it does have a lot of positive things uh, going for it. A lead performance by Fatima Tasek is very, very solid. She's very compelling and charismatic, but it's not quite enough. There is a, a an underused talent in this and melissa leo who is not in it long enough to really be of of service to the film but she's of course always magnificent yeah and also if you've been wondering where mia rose frampton has been peter frampton's daughter since that standout scene in bridesmaids (laughs) (laughs) oh i bet you are She, (laughs) she has a bigger role in this as well and yeah christy's full review is up at madwolf.com this one is also uh vod You can easily grab this one on Prime, out on streaming, and it's called Coast. And we just mentioned how we've been seeing Chris Pine a lot lately. We've also been seeing Mel Gibson a lot lately, and he's back in this action thriller. A CIA officer finds himself the target of a rendition operation after being scapegoated for the death of an interrogation subject. It's called Agent Game. Our mission is to keep the war small and sacrifices meaningful. Just because you're American doesn't mean... Your colleagues share the same goal as you. We have a problem. Why are we descending? There's been a major shift. I'm pulling the plug. That guy knew we were coming. 
is definitely a trap. For all we know, this guy's controlling the whole goddamn thing. What next? We get ready. Yeah, it's another week, another Mel Gibson movie. He's less welcome than Chris Pine. And this movie, um, of, of the many that he's done in the last couple of months, is, is maybe the bottom of the barrel. Because uh, he comes in, he comes and goes, he almost feels like he's playing a self-parody. Yeah. There are a couple of other uh, heavy hitters in here. Dermot Mulroney and Jason Isaacs are both in this film. They're always very good, especially Jason Isaacs, I think. And when they have conversations, their dialogue is, is strong, and it feels like it's competently delivered. Mm-hmm. And um, Mel Gibson is just sort of unintentionally funny throughout his scenes. That's kind of what he does lately. Uh, I think sometimes it's intentional. This seems like it isn't. (laughs) But the entire rest of the cast feels absolutely incompetent. And that's that's hard to sit through. Although we do see there's another face that we haven't seen in a while. um, Barkhad Abdi, the lead pirate from Captain Phillips. Oscar nominee. Yeah, Oscar Captain nominee. Phillips. He was yeah. so good in that yeah, movie. Yeah, he was. It's so n- nice to see him uh, as well. So, yeah, that one, unfortunately, the weak link this week, and it's out on VOD. Tori Haynes' full review is up at madwolf.com. But she didn't, in, in, in a movie that searches for good guys, uh, she just think there was nothing much good to be found anywhere. No. And it's called Agent Game. It's out now. All right, let's check into the lobby, see what's up. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Checking back into the lobby with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, keeping his ear to the ground. What are you hearing? Well, uh, CMC Pictures will release their Hong Kong crime action or Man on the Edge in select theaters on April 15th. XYZ Films is debuting a neo-noir thriller called Brute Force on VOD on April 21st. Amazon's satirical thriller Emergency hits theaters on May 20th and then will premiere on Prime a week later on May 27th. Also on the Amazon front, they have purchased the action rom-com Shotgun Wedding from Lionsgate. That one stars Jennifer Lopez, Josh Duhamel, Sonia Braga, Lenny Kravitz, Cheech Marin, and Jennifer Coolidge. Interesting lineup there. Yes, it is. That's a party <laughs> I was not invited to, but it sounds fun. Uh, it was originally slated for a theatrical release on June 29th. It's unclear at this time whether or not they're keeping that date, but you know it's always a possibility. And then the animated loose remake of Blazing Saddles has had a title change and a release date shift. It was previously known as Blazing Samurai, and now it is titled Pauls of Fury, The Legend of Hank. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> and it's moved up a week from July 22nd to July 15th. And that is a family-friendly animated comedy. So we'll see Based how Based on Blazing out. Saddles. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> I guess the whip it out line is going to be uh, deleted. Probably, unless it involves a sword this time. Ah, <laughs> good call. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, also on July 15th, Netflix's $200 million action blockbuster, The Gray Man, will be coming out. And that's a spy action thriller directed by the Russo brothers, which they co-wrote with their Avengers Infinity War and Endgame screenwriters. Ooh. And it stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anya de Armas, Jessica Henwick, Billy Bob Thornton, and Alfred Woodard. So that's probably going to make a big splash when yeah. it gets. I think it's their biggest film to date. Well, it's also just the top three. It's, I think, more attractiveness than any one film is allowed to contain. Right. Maybe that's why you need to watch it at home. And Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just swoon factor. 
the other interesting thing, well, it's just more of an overall thing that I've noticed. Um, there's an Indian sports drama called Jersey that's opening in limited theatrical release on April 14th. Now, I live in a rural, pretty rural state. There's seven theaters within 40 minutes of my house, but we don't get a lot of international films unless it's from a major studio or if it's an awards contender. But I've noticed, at least here, um, over the past month, we've been getting a lot of Indian films, which is pretty awesome. And um, it's it's just a trend that I've noticed. Uh, they they seem to be expanding more and more in terms of their release patterns. And I know RRR did a whole lot of business yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it's always good to see uh, more variety sure. pouring into the theaters. Pretty crazy. It's a, it's a big expansion, but it's a more than welcome one. All right, you can always catch the latest news from Daniel. Just follow him at The Schlocketeer. Talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for having me. Looking ahead to next week, Mark Wahlberg is back in Father Stew. And Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. That is out. Also, Duel, D-U-A-L. Wormwood Apocalypse. The Cellar. Paris, 13th District. And we're all going to the World's Fair. Woohoo! Sounds fun. I <laughs> don't right. think it's fun. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> We'll see what's up with those next week. But what do you think about this week? Uh, let us know. We always like to keep the conversation going about the movies. You can find us easily on Twitter. That's at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can catch all of our written reviews as well as our horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's uh, easily found at madwolf.com. So keep in touch if you can, and we will talk about another new batch of movies next week. Until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>